You know, sometimes in life, you make mistakes. And for me, this morning was no exception. Um, so I went, I was at Starbucks. I went to Starbucks this morning and I was in line. I was getting my drink. I got my drink, paid for it, was waiting in the line. And, um, you know, they gave me my stuff. I got a breakfast sandwich too. So I got that. But then there was this lady while I was waiting for my drink to come out, she was ordering her drink and, you know, she got her stuff and she was, she seemed nice and, and everything. And, and, I'm getting my stuff at the same time and she comes over to the to the other side of the counter where you're waiting for your stuff where I'm getting my my breakfast sandwich and my coffee and I got my stuff around the same time as her and I was I was about to walk out the door and I noticed that she was coming out like at around the same time as me so I was like you know I'm going to go out and hold the door. So I I went out and I held the door and it was, I didn't realize how heavy the door was. So I thought that I had some time. I thought that I could get away. I I didn't think I had to stand there the whole entire time as she was walking out the door, but she took forever to walk out the door while I was holding it. She had her phone in one hand. She had her her coffee in the other hand. So I'm like, all right. You know when you're holding a door for someone, how you're like, you don't stop moving. You never stop your forward progress. Or at least that's me. Like I will go and like, all right, you get through the door and, and I let go. I let go of the thing. So this time was no different, but she was moving so slow when I let go of the door, the door was so heavy, it came back and hit her in the arm and her coffee spilled everywhere. And I mean everywhere, like all over her, all over the ground, like in between, like inside on the floor and outside. I, I just, I kept walking. I just kept walking. I I didn't know what to do. I held the door. I did my duty. I'm sorry. I I did everything I was supposed to do in the situation. But she was distracted by her phone and the combination of the door being super heavy and when I finally let go, I thought she I thought I had time. I thought there was time. And uh, and, and there wasn't. There wasn't any time. So she had to, <laughs> she had to she had to get another coffee and I just kept walking and I went into the car and I laughed the whole, the whole way home. I am not going to lie. I was just giggling in my car the entire ride home and it was, it was glorious, but how you guys doing? It's, uh, it's right now it's Monday. It's July. What is it? July, July 8th. I hope you all had a nice, uh, 4th of July. Hope you hope you didn't um blow up any of your fingers while you're doing your fireworks and stuff. Um and if you did, I'm sorry. I hope you got immediate medical attention. So, I had a good 4th of July. I went and had a little lobster bake um with my family down in Narragansett. It was great. And um 
4th of July is always one of those times that you, you remember our troops and, and everything the country stands for. And, uh, um, I always remember the trip I got to take a couple of years ago over to Bahrain, um, where I played for the troops with Mr. Stephen Kellogg, um, Cookie Dough Chalfant, uh, Doug Ross came along and did the sound. Also, John Wiley was on guitar. It was a great trip. It was a really great trip. And it's something that I really hope that I can do again someday. I was so nervous to do that trip at first. But once you got over there, you're like, okay, it's safe. They're going to take care of you. And um, and you're around a bunch of badasses all day long. All day long. So hopefully hopefully you get to do that again. I never got to do the uh, land on an aircraft carrier thing. We were supposed to, but it got canceled. There was some stuff going on over there a couple of years ago. Um, where that was where that was going all going down. But um, welcome to After the Gig. I'm glad you're listening. I'm glad you're here. Today on the show, I have Mr. Zeke Martin. Zeke Martin is a drummer, Boston-based drummer. Did a little foray out in... San Francisco and New York always kept coming back to Boston. Zeke um, is just is one of those guys, one of those guys on the call list for for all the gigs around town. But he's also a drum instructor at Northeastern University. Northeastern University is where my sister went to school. Um, I mean, if you don't know, if you're not in the Northeastern, the Mass area. Um, Northeastern is is such a great place. It's one of the only, I think it actually might be the only actual campus in in Boston or maybe maybe BC is the, is the other one, but I guess that's technically Newton. I don't know. I heard that somewhere that Northeastern was like a one of the only actual campus college or universities in Boston. I could be full of shit, but that's, uh, you know, that's, I heard that somewhere from somebody. Zeke's been teaching there for, I believe, 12 years. He tells us in the episode, but um, he's been doing this for quite some time. This was actually the first time I had ever sat down and, and talked to Zeke. I had never met Zeke before. I'd heard of Zeke around town because of because of his great drumming and and how we we've done a lot of the same gigs with some of the same people. Um, but you know, it was one of those guys that I hadn't crossed paths with. Um, and I'm I'm really glad that it happened because we had such a nice conversation. And um, he's just so knowledgeable about about drums and and music and and i mean just the the people that he knows and that he's come across in his life through his father who is uh back in the day who played with herbie hancock and countless other musicians um one of zeke's uh, grand uh, our godparents is uh jack dejanet who is if you don't know who jack dejanet is he is i mean one of one of the the best drummers around. A lot of this conversation that I had with Zeke is pretty inside baseball. And what I mean by that is there are going to be moments where you have no idea what Zeke and I are talking about. And that's okay. If you're a drummer, you will. But if not, you're going to get a little inside scoop on some of the things that 
drummers talk about to each other and all that good stuff. But that's very small in comparison to the whole episode. So I'm glad that you're here. I'm really excited for you to, to hear my conversation that I had with Zeke. Um, if you are listening and you're a Carbon Leaf fan, then I hope to see you at Maymont this weekend. Uh, I'll be heading down to Richmond on Wednesday to work, work on some, uh, work on some music with the boys and then play the show on Saturday, which I'm very excited about. And again, I have those dates with Stephen Kellogg, uh, July 22nd through the 27th or the 28th, something like that. Uh, you can check out all those dates on stephenkellogg.com and you can also get tickets uh, for the Carbon Leaf shows or Maymont and uh, and further shows that are on the tour page on the website carbonleaf.com. But without further ado, here's my conversation with Mr. Zeke Martin. Studied with Steve Michaud for a couple years. Okay, and it, man, it just like it totally took my drumming to a whole nother level. Okay, it was back in like in 2012 or something like that. Was there a particular approach that he took, or was it the fact that um, that it was just you know next level stuff? It just it just made you work it was just, a lot harder. And um, you know what it was, man. It was it just we just clicked. Okay. You know, it's like you get some student, uh, some teachers, mm-hmm. and some teachers, it's just like you just don't get that, don't have that rapport. Yeah. Um, but um, others you do. With Steve, it was just like we just clicked and okay. we just had a blast and like laughing the whole time really? and like yeah. having a really great time. And man, I couldn't do a paradiddle to save my life. <laughs> Um, and I'd already been playing for years. I mean, right. this is back in like 2012. Right. So. I had already been playing for like 30 years already. So you were um, more of like a listener, you play by ear. Very much very so. Very much all feel. Extremely, yeah. extremely. For some reason it just clicked and he just, he yeah. had this way of showing me, which mm-hmm. was the Chafee method. Um, so that's kind of like what I do here at Northeastern. Okay. I kind of show them a little bit of the Chafee method. Okay. And a lot of the students who come in and that, uh, have done some drumming yeah and are like yeah i'd like to kind of get back into it or i'd like to you know learn a little bit more of you know rudiments and stuff like that yeah um they i give them that kind of method and they're like wow this is so much easier than what i was learning i'm like is there like a specific thing like a like a trick to it or or is it (sighs) is it just a vibe type thing like a um, way a way to approach it's a different way of approaching okay it's not you know it's like and i and i've changed up some stuff as well the the main part the main part of it is it basically it all boils down to singles and doubles okay um so i like that there's a b c d and e okay. so a is one single followed by doubles okay b is two singles followed by doubles 
C is three singles, D is four singles, E is five singles. Okay. So if you take A, so like a three A. Double, like. Uh, so, like a double hit. Right. So a double would follow five singles or five doubles would follow. No, no, no. Five singles. So one, two, three, four. So, oh, gotcha. So one, two, three, four, five, one, two. Okay. Right? All right. Or if you did like a three A, it'd be one. So it'd be one, one, two. Okay. So one with right hand and then two with left. So right. right, left, left. So I can imagine it takes a little bit of time to internalize that and, a little and, bit, and yeah. to make it more <laughs> make it fluid. Right. Right. Okay. right. Of course that you know that's called practicing. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was really cool because you know, like a paradiddle is right, left, right, right. Yeah. Okay. Well, right, left, right, right is a four B. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. B is two singles and then followed by a double. So right, left, right, right. Okay. But for some reason, I've been doing right, left, right, right, left, right, left, left for my whole life. Right. And I was like, right, left, right, right, left, right. Yeah. You know, kind of like, eh, eh, yeah. Eh, eh, eh. yeah. But for some reason, at one point, the light went off and was like, oh, oh, I get it now. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You know what it's I mean? It's nice when that when that thing clicks and then right. and then you're just like, oh, I I just I do this now. Right. Like right. this is exactly. what I this is what this I can is, do. This is what now. I do. Yeah. yeah. This is what I do now. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, he so. But that go, was, I mean, he is was that the whole fir- is that the whole basis behind the whole thing? Like, oh uh, well, that's the that's the that's what I mainly show here at Northeastern to okay. a lot of my students, um, just because. Um, you can get into like you can take all of those it's like i i look at it this way mm-hmm. i'm showing you the door here's the key mm-hmm. it's up to you know and i'm right. helping you open the door once you get out the door there is a there's so much universe of right. so much stuff right because you could take you know that 3a that i was talking about right left left and you take that and you put it in a 16th note uh, pattern. Okay. So, you know, if you have one E and a two E and a three E and a four E and a one E and a two E and a three yeah. E and a four E and a yeah, right. You end on that right hand. Right. Um, you can. What you can do is it's actually three sets. So there's the first one, the second one, the third one. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, they're what I learned, and I kind of named them a little bit differently. I don't know the proper verbiage right, right. <laughs> but um there's uh three ways of moving around the drums so okay. there's oblique okay parallel and then i call it separate so your hands are separate right yeah right. Like, a, like a linear kind of right, thing. right. <laughs> um and so uh what you do is like if you think okay well if i take that first one mm-hmm. and you know, there's three different options. If I take that first one and I can play it 10 different ways in oblique, mm-hmm. 10 different ways in parallel, and 10 different ways in separate, I just took that one single drum fill. Right. And I went from one drum fill to 30. Right. Now, imagine if you did that for all of them. Yeah. Now, you just went from three drum fills to 90. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's a huge jump. So, is parallel like the up and down between snare and, and like a, you know, rack tom or whatever? Um, parallel is just both of your hands going together in together the same in direction. The same. Okay, so your hands right? are parallel. So can, right, so your hands can move however you want around the drums. And would oblique? How, oblique, one hand stays stationary. Okay. While the other moves hand around. moves around the drums. And then, and then separate, separate is, is anywhere. just your hands go any okay. which way so long as it's Yeah, not. so taking like a, it's the same rudiment and then moving it Moving it around, moving it around, yeah, right. cool. exactly. Whether it be between drums or cymbals or right. kick or foot, and, right? And, so yeah. then I kind of like go to another level of like making it, you know, uh, linear. Where instead of going right, left, left, mm-hmm. I take that accent and 
take that right hand accent, put it on my kick drum, mm-hmm. and then take the left left and make it right left. So it's okay. kick right left, kick right left, right, kick, right. you know, and yeah. so and so forth. But within that sixteenth note, right? Because at uh, the same time, in. you're you're getting your rudimentary muscle memory, right? And then you're also getting your independence between your limbs together. Right, exactly. Okay. I like that. Yeah. I like that method. So it's, That's a, cool. it's just a different way of it's just a different right. way of looking at it. I'm teaching them the same thing that has been taught since yeah. the dawn of time. Right. You know, right. for drumming. Right. But it's just a different way. It's just a different approach and different way of looking at it. Totally. How do you feel your students attach to that method? Um, most do of they the take stu- to it pretty well? Yeah, most of the, I haven't, you know what, uh, most of the students that I've talked to, um, they've been like, wow, this is cool. I kind of, yeah. kind of the same thing that happened with me of like yeah. a light goes off. Different way like, of thinking. Oh, okay. I kind of get it now. Mm-hmm. And you it's kind of, it's kind of like when you, cause for me, the, my biggest challenge yeah. when I'm learning something new on the drums or guitar, whatever, whatever it might be, it's. You can physically do it. Mm-hmm. You have the muscle there. You can do the thing, but it's your brain that you need to figure out how to get it out of the way. Right. It's it's applying the same thing into mm-hmm. a different place right. and being able to have your brain be like, okay, you can do this now. Right, right, right. <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's like, that's always been a challenge for me, especially. Uh, same here, same here. Yeah, I mean, it's for everyone. It's yeah. any drummer, any musician. It's right. breaking through the wall of your body can physically do these things. It mm-hmm. can do amazing things. Right. But it's your, you need your brain to, to catch, up. To catch or, up with or, the rest of you. Or actually, well, I mean, Honestly, you know, people talk about muscle memory. There is mm-hmm. no memory in your muscles. Right. It's your right. brain. Right, right, exactly. So it's just like, I mean, you know, so if you think of it, it's like your brain needs to catch up to your brain. Your brain needs to tell your arms that you can do it and it's yeah. okay. You know yeah. what I mean? You know, I, I've studied with a bunch of people. I still take lessons now. Who do you um, take lessons from? Oh, just random. Okay. You know, I took a, I took a great lesson with Nate Smith oh, no. uh, for like an hour. Oh, um, the amount of playing. Can you that see we... the jealousy in my face? <laughs> <laughs> He's, I was just talking about Je- him last Jesse's night. Jesse's jealous. Jesse's jealous. Yeah. Um, Man, you know, you know what? He's so uh, good. I love him. Oh, he's great. He's great. So good. He's great. He's the... one of those guys that I can tell, and and you tell you were in the same room with him. He just seems like he has so much technique and technical ability, but he has so much physical ability when mm-hmm. he plays the drums. Like the way that he. The way his right hand hits the hi hat is right. different than other people when mm-hmm. they hit that. And I, I compare him with Steve Jordan a lot. Yeah, Steve Jordan, I feel like is a is a more fluid guy, but mm-hmm. Nate Smith is more how Steve Jordan used to play when he was in the in like the late night band. Right, right, right. right. Um, but he's just like he has that feel. Yeah. And he just looks so cool when he plays. And it's He and, does look cool. He looks really cool. And it's when a big he plays. part of it. You yeah, know, yeah, most and definitely. It, it's like I tried to like, you know, I mean, between you, me and all your listeners. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I kinda sometimes, you know, try to like dress like him a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's, you know, it's he's like, a snappy dresser. Snappy dresser. I mean, you know, what was that the, like to to get a lesson from him? Like uh, what, the amount of playing that we did for that hour was thirty seconds. We just talked the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, you know, it's like, I know how to do a paradiddle. You know how to do a par- paradiddle. Yeah. And he was like, what do you want? And This is an approach thing. Right, right. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, and when you get to like levels, when you get to those levels, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, like you just said, approach. Mm-hmm. It's your train of thought. 
Where's your mind go? Right. How do you look at this? How do you look at that? You know, so that was mainly our whole lesson. I actually remember most of my solos, mm -hmm. which is scary because really? I play a lot of jazz yeah, yeah. Uh, or a lot of funk or a lot of like open jams, let's say okay. that. Um, I might have, and I do about 200 shows a year. Yeah. Maybe three solos that I actually like. Yeah. Everything else is just crap. <laughs> well, I mean, I feel oh, like... I'm sorry, I can't say crap. My son's listening. You, you can say whatever you like. Um, man, but like, for me, solos, I, I, I used to do like the Guitar Center drum offs and... Oh, okay. And I all, did that once, yeah. Yeah. And I, I did it, I don't know, I think I made it to like the regionals one one time mm -hmm. or, or something like that, whatever it was. And you're you're up there and you you have to solo for five minutes. Right. And... As a kid, I think I was like 11 or something, mm -hmm. you're just up there wailing away, just right. like, is my five minutes up yet? Right, right, right. And throughout the years, I had to pretty much learn how to deconstruct my playing. Because right. when I got to Berkeley and started, you know, uh, learning from guys like Jackie Santos and Terrilyn right. Carrington and all these mm -hmm. people, like, they're basically just telling you to forget everything just play a groove. Just play a groove. Just, just play groove. groove. You like, want to work? Play a groove. <laughs> let's start. Let's start here. Yeah. And now, whenever you know someone looks at me to to do a solo, I'm only, I shake my head. I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> like you, you do it. Right, right, right. And I'm just like, I'm just here to support you guys. Right, and, right. and I found the joy in doing that rather mm -hmm. than rather than just right. like you know, yeah. wailing away, which was which is fun. It's super fun. Most but, definitely, it is definitely fun. But um, I definitely lost a lot of that aspect of my playing. Yeah. Like. I'll try to do it now, and I'm like, oh, I don't feel comfortable, you know. I can solo. I just don't yeah. like my... We well, play a lot of jazz. Well, yeah. So, yeah yeah, yeah. 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 And so there's, you know... And that's a big part of it. Right. Exactly. I don't always like my approach. So when I sat down with Nate, it was like, how do you approach your solos? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and he's like, you know, basically, you know, took the Miles Davis approach. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're playing or doing something... Whatever it may be, a groove, a, Is this a the take rhythm. The, take the third idea thing? Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. You know, and and he's like, maybe that's too much. Maybe you yeah. just take the second idea. Right. You know, sometimes I'm sitting there and I have no idea and I'm no ideas and I'm playing and I feel like I've been doing the same thing for the right. past, oh, 10 minutes. Right. And it's just like, even though it's only been 30 seconds. Right. Um, but it's funny. It's like, you know, I've gotten to a point it's starting to get better where I've gotten to a point of kind of having the other musicians play along. Right. Because as drummers, we're the only ones that solo alone. You know what I mean? Yeah, All totally. the other instruments always have us to back them up. Yeah. Whether it be, you know, any any of the chordal instruments or including bass. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Even when the bass player is solo, we're still there. Yeah, you're still playing. Right. Yeah. So when it's... When it's our time to solo, it's like that's just us, us, us yeah. and the crickets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're you're on a diving board, right? Right. All by exactly. yourself on the end of it, and exactly. you, hope, you hope that you, you know, get that ten ten, right? That ten ten dive, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's just I try to just go with my stream of consciousness. I try not to do too much, um, uh, like rudimentary stuff, and mm -hmm. I try to just like feel it out and like what. You know, you try to just get those ideas That's out of your head, and so what I want to go towards. Yeah, I get yeah. into I get into like get, it's rudimental hard. stuff, and I'm just like, 
uh, this yeah. sucks, but I'm already there. Yeah. Like, okay, I'll just keep going. <laughs> and that's a cool thing. Like you said, Miles Davis, like the space that he leaves, the space yeah. is just as important it, as the notes you're playing. Yeah. Um, space is scary. It is scary. It oh can be God. really scary. Space for me, at least. Yeah. And I'm like being totally honest yeah. right now. It's like, for me, space is scary. It is scary. Something that I've been trying to do lately is, uh, I just tell if I'm in like an uncomfortable moment, mm -hmm. I just sit to tell myself like commit, commit to just just go and don't like just completely ignore that tingly feeling in the All back right. of your head and that you know your sweaty palms. Just ignore it. Just commit right. and just be right, right. there and yeah, just yeah. just commit to what you're doing. It's yeah. like kind of like an actor's ap approach to right. playing a part or whatever. But yeah. And it's it's helped me. I don't know. It, it, it's just everyone's different. Of course, everyone Most approaches definitely. stuff different. Most definitely. What are you? Um, how how did you start teaching here? How, oh, how did I start teaching here? Yeah. Um, did you go? You didn't go here. I didn't go. I didn't go to any college. Okay. I went to a school of life. And you grew Hopefully up. Hopefully, I never graduate. So let's start at the beginning. Then. <laughs> let's start at the beginning. Sure. So you grew um, up in Belgium. I, no, I was or, born in Belgium. You were born in Belgium. Born in Belgium, and uh, my father was Stu Martin. Okay. Um, who played with a who's who of jazz musicians, starting okay. with Count Basie, Duke Ellington, Quincy For real? Jones. Yeah. Um, Holy shit. Uh, Herbie Hancock, Mayna Ferguson, uh, Mangus, Monk. So obviously none of this rubbed off on you. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> um, actually it didn't. Really? Uh, really. Um, uh, there's, so there's a couple albums. Um, he did a great album called Where Fortune Smiles with John McLaughlin. Okay. Um, and then come to find out, and I'm looking and I'm looking and I'm looking and I've talked to the powers that be, and mm -hmm. no one can find it. Um, I'm sure you're very familiar with Herbie Hancock's Maiden Voyage. Yes. Okay. There are some tracks that were recorded that were submitted to Blue Note. Okay. And Blue Note rejected them. They didn't like them. Well, okay. that was my father on those tracks. Were those the only tracks that he was on? They said, you know, well, he no, he, he did the whole album. Gotcha. My father did the whole album of Maiden Voyage. Gotcha. And they said, you know, we don't like it. Do it again. So Herbie couldn't get my father. Mm. Um, so he got some hack named Tony Williams. Un <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> um, so anyways. Um, Jesus. Yeah. One of the, one of the all time great drummers ever. Yeah. So Tony actually used to come before I was born. Tony Williams was like. Uh, like the son my father never had. Wow. Yeah. Like they used to, like Tony used to come over and always hang out at the house and just, they used to chill. I, I <laughs> my mom used to tell me stories. Um, Tony would come over. He's young. I mean, yeah. you know, and he also has even. How much younger than your father was he? Like the son he never had. Wow. Like, so, so he was like when like he was 20 like. years younger or something like that. Easily. So was, this is like when Tony was like, you know, 16, 17, 18. Wow. Type, okay. of, type, of, the, yeah, type yeah. of deal. And my mom, you know, and this is like, you know, 60s, 70s, something like that. You know, I don't, I don't remember. Something like that. I wasn't around. I wasn't born yet. Okay. Um, but she'd tell me he'd come over and she'd say, um, do you want a glass of milk? Like, you know, he looks <laughs> such like a baby, you know. Um, so, He's but yeah. so monster. They, right, right. And it, right. It's this monster drummer. Yeah. 
Yeah. So the amount of time that my father and I, my father passed away um, in 1980. Okay. Um, Sorry. So in the, oh, no problem. Yeah. Uh, so in the seven years um, that I knew him, we played for about 10 minutes. And it wasn't even when I was like in the older part. It was like when I was like two. Wow. I actually found it. I found like this box of reel-to-reels. Yeah. And there's a reel-to-reel. It says Stu and Zeke. And out of a really good friend of mine, um, I said, look. This is the deal. I got some amazing stuff here. Yeah. Like, I mean, we're talking like, you know, you know, Jack D. Jeanette or Miles Davis or what? I, all the stuff that was recorded, like, you know, that my father had. Right. And I was, I told him, I said, look, if you can take this and make it digital for me, mm-hmm. you can keep it. You know, you can have it. That's awesome. So I found this reel-to-reel that said Stu and Zeke, and it's me and my father playing. I was like two. <laughs> You're two. And he was really into uh, synthesizers. Okay. Well, way, yeah. Way, you know, way back in the day. And so, Being on the cutting edge with, right. with Herbie. And, right. Mm-hmm. But, he, I mean, you know, especially him doing, like, a lot of, like, avant-garde. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and so it's a tape from of uh, him and I, mm-hmm. and I'm just banging on the drums, and he's doing the synthesizer. Oh, my and, God. And, like, that's the 10 minutes that I spent playing with my father. Is that in like a golden vault somewhere? No, no, no. It's on my, it's on my iTunes. Yeah, like, that's you know awesome. What I mean? it's that's like, so it's cool. Great. Yeah, I love it. That's amazing to yeah, be able yeah. to have that, that memory, you know, with your dad and stuff. Yeah. Are you, so, so you lost your dad when you were really young. When I was seven. When, uh, when I was seven. When yeah. you were seven. Yep. Um, is your your mom still around? Or? Nope. No. Uh, she passed away when I was seventeen. Oh wow. Um, so we. So I was born in Belgium. Uh, my mother and my father. We moved to Woodstock, New York, right next to Jack. Yeah. Um, him also. I, I come from a a long line of very well known musicians. Yeah. It just seems so, like you had no choice i kind of yeah yeah yeah. I'll, I'll get to that story that's a great story um so my godfathers are barry outro and jack d Jeanette. jack d Jeanette's one of my favorite drummers um he's amazing i just uh saw him not the last summer he was at newport jazz festival okay and so i feel like he's around this area quite a bit he is yeah he, well i mean he lives in upstate new york yeah he was just at berkeley yeah um he's there a lot a few months ago or yeah. something like that but yeah i got to drum tech for him Still playing oh. with the snares off all the time, or no, 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 no. Yeah, um, when when I when I was at school, he came and visited, and he oh yeah. he didn't turn the snares on once, and I was like, that's interesting. When like, was that? Um, I feel like 2008 or something. Oh, okay, 2009. I was probably there. <laughs> yeah, I was probably there hanging yeah. somewhere. Yeah, and he mm. talked about it a lot, and he played with like the butt end of the stick and yeah, stuff yeah. like that, and yeah. it was cool. It was a, it was a very, I it was a very cool uh, session that he put on. It yeah, was yeah. awesome. No, he's uh, the the way his thought process and his approach is just it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's really great. Yeah, it's what make it's what makes these great guys who they are. Right, exactly. It's it's so cool. Right. So we moved to Woodstock, New York. Yep. So we were there for uh, maybe about six months or so, uh, six months to a year, and then my father got a phone call from uh, this great saxophone player named John Sermon. Okay. Um, that he used to play with back in the 60s mm-hmm. um, uh, over in Europe. And they had a band together called The Trio, which was uh, John Sermon, Bar Phillips, and Stu Martin. Okay. And so he said, hey, I got this gig uh, in Paris at the Paris Opera. Um, 
can you come do it? And my father was like, yeah, sure. So we moved from Woodstock, New York yeah. to Paris. He did that for a bit. And then when I was three, um, my mom and my father split up. Okay. She started, she started dating uh, the lighting designer. Uh, his name was John Davis. Okay. Um, and the woman that he was dating started dating my father's too. So they kind of like did a little swap. Um, <laughs> oh, man. But, I mean, you got, you know, this is 1976. Yeah, this was like uh, fairly normal. Right. I mean, this is like everyday thing. You know, nowadays it's, you know. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy, right. Um, <clears throat> so my stepdad. Uh, John, he uh, basically ran the Paris Opera. Okay. Um, so I grew up running around the Paris Opera. That's I incredible. Knew it just hands down the whole thing. Um, so we stayed in Europe. Uh, my mom, Lee Norman, uh, was an actress. Wow. Um, do you know the movie Houseboat? Yes. Yeah. Okay, with Sophia Loren. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you know when her back is to the camera? Okay. That's my mom. So she was a she was a body double. That's uh, incredible. For Sophia Loren. She did like. Two movies. I don't remember which what the other one was. Okay, so she was Sophia Loren's like body stand, double, stand, stand in, in for right. for right. a couple of movies. Yeah. Right, exactly. Man, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I know. I was just like, oh, cool. Yeah. You know, but to me, it's like you know. So we lived in Europe, and at the time, you know, you're talking about you know mid to late seventies and first half of the eighties, mm -hmm. and every musician came through my house. Yeah, because. We were help. My mom was helping booking. She was doing booking for Dave Holland for a while because you know they're friends and yeah. you know, you know in, in the jazz world, you know, you just everyone or should be or used to be, I should say, really friendly. And so yeah. it's like everyone is just like comes over to the house. And so it's like Victor Lewis, great drummer, mm -hmm. you just come over to the house, and it's just like, oh, hey, it's Victor. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. So it's, it's like just a revolving door of right cool, or of Jack cool would people come, coming cool into people, your life. Jack or Barry or whoever would come by the house. Right. So I've never really been like kind of like that starstruck type yeah. of thing. So yeah, like yeah. hanging out with Nate, going back to that, mm -hmm. hanging out with Nate, it's just like. You know, you could be the Dalai Lama for all I care, yeah. and it'd just be like that's oh, the okay. way to be, man. That's I, I, you're gonna get so much more out of life and oh, out yeah. of people if if you can be like that. I met Noel Gallagher one time. Wow, and I was like. Mr. Gallagher, can I please? <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was like in a drum shop. I was right. like, I just, you know, just want to say thank you. I didn't know right. what else to say. Yeah, so, but you know I, what? That's you know. enough. That really is. How long did you stay in Europe for? Uh, so we were in Europe until 1986. Okay. Um, and then, uh, oh, here's a good one for you. Okay. My first gig uh, was when I was 12 before we left Europe. Uh, my first, first ever gig. Um was with Steve Lacey, okay. um, who was a family friend. And he was doing a gig. Uh, he had a gig at uh, this art gallery in Paris. Yeah. And it was him, uh, Steve Potts, and Jean-Jacques Avenel on bass. So Steve Potts plays sax also. Mm -hmm. So both sax players on bass. And they said, hey, do you want to play? I was like, okay, sure. And mm -hmm. I'm like 11 or 12. So I'm like, ting, ting, ta ting, ting, ta ting, ting, ta ting, you know. And Barry's there. As basic as, it's, as it gets. Oh, yeah, actually. Ding, ting, ta ting, whack, ting, ting, yeah. ta ting, whack. Must you have know? been like, I would have been very scared. <laughs> we did one gig one week. Afterwards, we went out to dinner. And uh, Barry joked with me. He goes, uh, well, congratulations. You're finally a musician. And you're getting paid. I go, I am? He goes, yeah. yeah they're buying you dinner. Perfect. <laughs> I'm like, and now that I'm like 45, it's just like, oh yeah, I still get dinner. I still get paid with dinner. 
<laughs> yeah, seriously, man. Yeah. Sometimes that's that's all you exactly. get. Exactly. No matter what. You know, how, you know uh, 33 years later, soon to be 34 next week. My birthday's next week. so Yeah, the second, right? Uh, yep. Do, yep. A little, do a little research. Ah, see, yeah. stalking. I love yeah. it. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Um, um, man, that's so, so cool. A, yeah. So then a week later, we did another gig. Okay. Um, and I didn't touch the drums the whole week. And uh, Steve Potts went up to my mom and he goes, did he practice? And she's like, he didn't touch the drums at all. He's like, he's like 10 times better than he was last week. Yeah. So it was, you know, I definitely had. Got the fire. Well, I also had, you know, the natural ability from Mm -hmm. being around all that music, like you were saying before. And, you know, having my father and all that stuff. Right. Um, But after a while, you know, with your natural ability, it only takes you so far. Only so far. You know what I mean? Right. So we came here in 86. And I started my first teacher ever was Alan Dawson. That lasted about six months. Wow. I couldn't do it. Really? I just could not. We, you, we, you know, you're talking about teachers and students clicking. Yeah. It just didn't click. He does seem like he was, uh, I think, Terry Lynn Carrington's teacher for a while mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I just heard stories about how tough he was. Extremely, yeah. And... um you know, I, I don't think like, yeah, you're at, you're at that level. You're teaching this stuff. But the, the idea or the, the basis behind teaching is to, for, you know, is to light the fire in right. a younger generation, right. get more people to build this thing we call drums up and music. Right. And uh, when stuff is just that difficult and when someone makes it that difficult, right. it's you can't you can't get the end. You're not you're not sparking the flame. Right. Um I think it's a, it's just a it's a balance of negative and positive reinforcement. It's like some people right, really absolutely. thrive on negative reinforcement. Yeah. And they need that because that will push them more. Right. And others, you know, rather have the positive reinforcement. Right. I'm more for me personally, I'm more of that positive reinforcement. I am I'm the same way. You know what I mean? Yeah, too much negative. I just want to I want to walk just, away. Right. I just want to go and, you know, crawl up, you know, curl up in the corner or get in front of the TV and play video games. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm done. I'm yeah. Good. Yeah, because what's the point? Right. What's the point? Right. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't. You know. It doesn't make me work harder. Was he? Was he a negative guy? Like if no, you didn't get something. No. Okay. So no. what? What was that experience it was just, like? Um, because it had to I, have been some kind of learning experience. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. And and what's interesting is like now I find you know, what was that like twelve or thirteen? Okay. So I was thirteen. No, no, no. That's not true. I was. I might have been 14, 14 or 15. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's one thing that I remember that actually stuck in my head. And it's like, you know, you study with all these different people and there's always that one thing that sticks in your head. Right. You know what I mean? And he taught me how to bounce a basketball. Hmm. But apply that to playing drums. Mm. And I'm like, he's like, don't slap the ball down push the ball down Mm -hmm. and it's like if you do that with your hand if you slap you know if you just slap and as a drummer if you do that that's not what you want to do when you're hitting a drum right push the yeah and i was like control 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 right and so it's like many many years later even now Mm -hmm. i'm like oh i get it yeah you know what i mean so that's one thing that like totally stood out from and even that one thing and that's an important aspect of drumming that doesn't come very easily right just that one thing alone was worth that six months right and was worth moving on from right exactly 
Exactly. So your first teacher was Alan Dawson. Right. Which is incredible. <laughs> so you move on. So I move on. Um, so I went to high school at Cambridge and Gelatin. My whole senior year, I was 18. Yeah. So I kind of came and went as I pleased. Yeah, yeah that's but how I wasn't, that goes. But I wasn't, a li- I wasn't really like a rebel. I wasn't yeah. cutting school. I wasn't. Mi- I was actually really a good kid. Like yeah. I stayed, you know, and, you know, I could have, man, I could have gone so left field. After was your fa- stepdad a cool guy? He was great. Okay, He cool. was like my best friend. Yeah, that's great. Um, that's awesome. And, you know, I always look at it this way. I always look at it as Stu was my father, mm-hmm. John was my dad. Okay. Because, you know, not nothing against Stu or anything like mm-hmm. that, but, you know, he was the person who helped me bring bring myself into this world, yep. like, give me life. Yep. But he wasn't around, you know. I right. mean, I knew him for seven years, and my mom and my, you know, my mom and my dad always made sure that I had a relationship with him, and, you know, I'd go visit him in New York or yeah. whatever. You know I mean? I took, and you can't do this at all anymore. I took a plane from Paris to New York at five years old by myself. That blows my mind yeah no that that, that would never that would never happen yeah and i get there and the pur- and the purpose of me going was to visit my father to visit Stu. <laughs> no, oh this is God. great wait wait that it gets just, better that no, no, just, it gets better it gets that better. just hit me i was like no, no, no. i just tried to put myself in that position right, and right. i'm like i'm thinking about my niece and nephew i'm thinking about my nephew who's right. six on a plane by himself from mm-hmm. a foreign country right Six to, seven to hour York. flight right to New York. It it wouldn't happen. It, okay, wait. It, wouldn't it gets be better. It gets better. <laughs> so he calls my mom, and he goes, "Oh, you know, Zeke's here. Thanks for the drums and thanks for the bottle of cognac." And my mom goes, "We didn't send a bottle of cognac. I bought a bottle of cognac at the age of five. What on the plane for my father? Yeah, like you can't do that." I, 1978 you can't do that this is very hard to believe <laughs> i swear to god this is true it's not a lie it's true that's incredible yeah it's that's like, like legendary right i know right that's that that's kind of like pimp status a little that's bit that's pretty incredible <laughs> five-year-old <laughs> yeah five-year-old buying well i see the thing is i grew up around you know my wife always likes to joke around that i grew up around a bunch of hippie jazz musicians mm, yeah and i did so you knew the lingo you knew what to say you knew how to get that bottle right <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> um so yeah so but um so i always had they, you know they always made sure i had a good relationship with my father okay so my senior year you know i was 18 and you know without my mom and i could have so taken a left turn mm-hmm. and kind of gone you know totally like yeah, of off course. the rails it and would, i didn't it would have been easy right and oh, no so, and no one would have blamed you for it right exactly yeah exactly well, and, but i didn't yeah, yeah you good. know it's a you know a lot of my family members are like wow i can't believe how well you turned out you yeah. got a wife two kids you know you're a successful musician and yeah. like you could have gone totally the opposite yeah, totally way off the deep end <laughs> right exactly yeah um so my uh my step dad my dad um he uh left when i was 18 so Mm -hmm. i was on my own um and i wanted to take my drumming to another level and i um berkeley recruited me and wanted me to come to the school Mm -hmm. and i just at the time it wasn't what i wanted i wanted to learn how to play drums yeah and so i started studying with a teacher that actually was teaching at berkeley named ron savage well it must have been it must have been um like exciting to be pursued like that a little bit i yeah. mean yeah it was cool I, I never really thought i honestly i never thought that i was i never thought i was gonna go to college yeah i just didn't i didn't think right. it was like i didn't think oh yeah man next step college i was just like okay 
I'm on my own. Let's. I'm a drummer. I'm a drummer. Let's work. That's what I'm doing. You know, I need a job. Yeah. You know, a day job. So yeah. Um, I started studying with Ron Savage, um, who also studied with Alan. Yeah. But for some reason, again, the clicking thing. Right. With Ron, it was just like click. Oh, I get it. He would. You know, it's like you know, you go through the rudiments, right? Mm -hmm. Or like the the Alan Dawson rudiments. And so, you know, you start with flams mm -hmm. and it's like, okay, I could not, you know, I'd, you know, you, when you're young and you're trying to do a flam and it looks like a flim flam, you're going yeah, sideways, you're going like right? That. <laughs> right? So that was <laughs> so how true. I was, that's how I was doing it with Alan. Yeah. But when I sat down with Ron, it was just straight up, up and, and down. down. Yeah. And I had just, the same problem. And it just, it just clicked. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I was, um, Oh, the story I, I surpassed before yeah. my mom passed away, uh, you know, about me being a musician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was 16 years old. Uh, my mom's laying in bed. And I go and I sit uh, by her bedside and I'm saying, okay, I think I want to be a jazz musician. And she goes, are you sure? Yeah. I go, yeah, I want to. She's like, why? Yeah, no, she did. No, seriously. <laughs> it's it's not, this is not, you know, it's, it's total 110% like, you know, why would you want to do that? Mm -hmm. um, and I, said, I want to follow in Stu's footsteps. I want to <clears throat> continue his legacy. And yeah. she said, no. <laughs> she said, there's already a Stu Martin. Go out there. If you're going to do it, be the best Zeke Martin that yeah. you can. Yeah, well, that's probably the best advice you ever could have gotten. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, she goes, you know, being a jazz musician is really tough. She goes, um, uh, your lows are going to be the worst lows you'll ever have in your life, mm -hmm. but the highs are going to be the best highs you'll ever have in your life. Yeah. Um, and she goes, are you sure you want to be a jazz musician a drummer i go yeah she goes you don't want to be a garbage man instead you'll make more money <laughs> <laughs> and you know her benefits uh, right but but not just that it's like come to find out you know garbage men in new york make six figures i'm like you know because they deal with who knows what in yeah. new york i'm like man i gotta really, pay him that much i should have really listened to my mom <laughs> oh my god yeah it's funny i had a i had a gym teacher in high school that was also uh uh you know, waste management and garbage man. Mm -hmm. And, you know, looking back, obviously when you're a kid, you're like, Oh, why is he doing this? And, right. you know, say whatever. And then looking back on now, it's like, Oh yeah, he's, he's providing, he's, providing, he's working. Right. Like there's no shame in any of that. Right. Exactly. So. Yeah. When you're younger, you're just like, eh, you know, well, the cool things are cool and the uncool things are uncool. You don't, you don't see, there's no, differentiating between the two you right. think like this is how this works and this is how this works right. life is a very very vast scale of things you can do and right. and the the parameters and the limits that we put on you know the jobs that we have and mm -hmm. what we do is created by us right of course it doesn't exist well that that applies to like how we were just ta talking before earlier about you know um practicing the rudiment mm-hmm and it's like we put the limitation on us being able to right get it out right you know what i mean like and if you can brain, break if yeah. you can break through that you're going to yeah. be a happier person right exactly um yeah yeah it's so hard, it's a hard thing that people you know that that's why people stay in their jobs they hate for so right. long and right. because they just they don't 
they don't have the ability to look outside themselves and look and outside look, that box and see and see the bigger picture. Yeah. It's like, what's the purpose? Right. What's the point of this? Yeah. Um, anyway, man, musicians are so philosophical. <laughs> like we just like tend to like <laughs> to a fault <laughs> or whatever it is. But it's like most we, of it is for justifying what we do. <laughs> of course, of course it is. Of course it is. But it's just interesting how like you know you get two music two or more musicians together or yeah. even musicians who are talking with non-musical people and we just go down this philosophical road of yeah. just like yeah what is wrong with us <laughs> yeah no i know i ask myself Which that we question were just all the time about to do, by the what way, is wrong with, what is wrong with me right now but I, I think it's important like yeah. i don't think anyone gets into being a, a musician for you know the life benefits or, or, or the, well, not, I shouldn't say that, but, but for the, uh, the 401k and right. and all that stuff, right, you get right, into right. it because you want to do what you love to do right. and, and you, you want to express yourself yeah. musically. Yeah, and yeah. then when you get to a certain age or to this level, then it's like you, you're so all in, there's not, there's no backup plan. Right. You know, you're, well, you're doing this. I had a backup plan. My mom said, get a backup plan. Okay. So I got a backup plan. Yeah. Good. Daycare. Yeah. Okay. So I did daycare. Um, so after I graduated high school, I uh, got a job in daycare. Mm -hmm. I was working with this uh, rock band. I was playing with this rock band. I was like, when I first started, I was like 16. Mm -hmm. And I, the name of the rock band was called Small Town No Airport. Really great name, and so like I'm 16. That name, that band name would be amazing today. Oh yeah, today, really, yeah. People would be really into that. That's a gr right. good band name for yeah, for it, now. Right. Yeah. No. Back in indie rock. 19, oh, it was it was total rock and rock band. Yeah. And we did like originals and covers, and we we actually got banned in Canada, so it was cool because we did uh, <laughs> for uh, what? Well, one of the we did a cover tune we did uh the beatles run for your life okay and that's banned in canada really well it was i don't know if it is anymore it's okay. because of the lyrics okay and so when we promoted our stuff it got banned in canada as well so i was like yeah cool yeah. now that i'm 45 it's like yeah back then i was like badass oh that's so like what the hell <laughs> but now it's like yeah badass cool so yeah so i was in this band and i'm like the 16 year old kid we're playing at the rat we're playing at you know, all Bill's bar. Mm -hmm. We're playing at all these, and I'm like, and we get paid like 50 bucks and two pitchers of beer. Yeah. So they get the beer and I get 50 bucks. So as a 16 year old. For like three hours of, of playing. Yeah. Right. Or whatever it no, is. I, a night. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. So it's like, you know, 16 years old getting 50 bucks. Yeah, cool. I'm down with that. You yeah. know, it's totally fine by me. Mm -hmm. So we went, you know, on a couple tours, went to uh, Missouri a couple times and, you know, did the regional, you know, New England thing and mm -hmm. got signed to Reindeer Records and, um, you know, just all that stuff. So one of the guitar players, when I was 18, his uh, ex-wife, now his ex-wife, um, she had a daycare. Okay. And so I was like, you know, can I have a job? She's like, do you have any experience? I was like, no, but Not kids really. like me. <laughs> and she's like, okay, yeah, everyone says that. Well, come to find out, kids actually really do like me. They just, they just, it, my personality, my vibe, something, yeah. they just gravitate. You're drummer. Come. Kids love drummers. Right. But even without knowing drummer, that I'm a drummer, yeah. you know, they just They could sense it. Something. <laughs> it was something. Um, so... I'm all alone. I'm on my own. I'm 18. Mm -hmm. um, I'm waking up every day and working from 7 to 3.30. Mm -hmm. uh, coming back home, 
practicing from four to 10. Mm-hmm. Um, on one of the days I'd go to my drum lesson. Um, and I did that for two years. Yeah. You know? And I can imagine the, the growth in that amount of time yeah. was, was incredibly vast. Right. If you're practicing every day yeah. for that long and you're, and you're practicing the right things, like would well, you, I, I don't know if I was practicing the right things, but I was okay. definitely practicing. You yeah. Know what I mean? You're I, playing. I was playing. Sticks were in your hands. For Sticks were in your hands and I was playing for four to six four, hours or whatever. Exactly. Four to six hours daily. Yeah. You know what I mean? doesn't matter what the hell you're playing mm-hmm. or practicing or whatever you're going to get better just yeah. it's just a, yeah just how it goes it's just a yeah. fact so when you're 18 you're playing you know professionally sort of at, yeah, a, yeah. at a young age right right yeah so when does it move from playing in a rock band uh that's traveling around getting paid 50 bucks in a couple pitchers of beer uh-huh. to to doing legit get like when was like the first like legit thing that you that you were doing like legit gigs legit traveling like um when did it really start to take to take a hold probably last week (laughs) (laughs) that's good um let's see um honestly uh so after after i graduated high school i actually moved out to california for a bit okay and then came back to uh, Boston. Yeah. Um, How long were you in California? It was about six months. Not very long. I was in San Francisco. Was this to for music, just to get out there, see this what it's was like? To get out there and see what it's like, and yeah. I didn't like it. Okay. Um, you know, I keep coming back to Boston ever since I've been here in '86. Mm-hmm. I keep. I've tried to leave numerous times. Yeah. I always come back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, I did. So you know, doing the daycare thing and doing the. Uh, practicing thing and i was like all right cool yeah i I can play a bit all right cool so you know what's the next step well the next step is move to new york all right cool yeah i moved to new york um 93 94 something like that Mm -hmm. and you can imagine it's much it was a much different place than most definitely than it is now yeah mm -hmm. most definitely um you know and what happened was new york's expensive right and the drums kind of fell to the wayside mm-hmm. and it was more of like okay i have to go into survival mode right and yeah. now i need to make money so that i can pay for the rent that i was paying at my godfather's house right and food and life and whatever date i was going on mm-hmm. or whatever the i feel case like maybe i feel like we all go through that period yeah. it, it, everyone goes through a period like that in their yeah. lives where they're they have a focus mm-hmm. and then they go do something to try to hone in on that to focus. hone in on that focus yeah. and then everything else gets in the way and then you know a car breaks down and you have to pay for it like for me personally i ended up bartending for 10 years yeah. so i was like i i was always playing i was in a band uh, based out of boston for mm. for many years and then when that band wasn't around I never, I never really made Boston cost, uh, contacts. Right. Like I wasn't in the scene. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't right. know the people. So right. I'm just bartending. I'm trying to save money. I'm trying to pay my rent. Yeah. And then at one point, you just kind of start to feel this heaviness over yeah. you, and you're yep. like, "Oh, what am I doing today? Yeah. Like, if I, do I have to go back to this bar and work another double for right. for what? What am I doing? Right. And then you get back into it and. Yeah. But that's, I mean, that's a whole other thing. But. No, no, it's, it's, that's totally it. Yeah. I was working at the Gap. Yeah. You know, I was a stock boy at the Gap. Yeah. It was I cool. I got two great stories. I did, and I wish I could remember, it was Chris something. Um, he used to do the Tostitos commercials. He's actually the guy, if you ever saw, um, uh, uh, 
Remember those spoofs of Scary Movie with the Wayne's brothers? Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, that Scary Movie was was the spoof. Oh, right, right, right. It was a spoof of uh, of uh, uh, Scream. Scream, right, right. Yeah. So Scary Movie, right, right. So I think it was the second one. The guy who had the messed up hand. Okay. <laughs> Whatever his name is, he's a, if Dave's listening, he'll know the answer. Yeah. Um, it was Chris something. Anyways, he came into the store, so I got to wait on him. Mm-hmm. That was cool. Um, and then Bill Murray came in the store. Oh. And that was awesome. Probably the best thing and, ever. <laughs> oh, my God. He is. You know, it's funny. You know, people talk about, oh, this person's funny. He's yeah. actually, he's really funny. I, I, like, yeah. he's like natural funny. Have you seen the documentary on him on Netflix? I haven't. I haven't. So it's all about these stories about how Bill Murray just like randomly came into someone's life, like just showed up at a house party yeah. or showed up. At the gap. <laughs> yeah. And then and then ended up spending his whole day with these people right. and then changed completely changing their lives. Yeah. And you should watch it. It's incredible. Oh, cool. It's incredible. I can relate now. Yeah. I should have been in the movie. You should have been. <laughs> um but anyway, so, so yeah. yeah, so I help out so I'm like basically Bill Murray's personal shopper. Okay. Hanging out with him and his wife. Yeah. Walking around the gap, like, you know, with a cart following him. That's awesome. And he's like, Man. And his wife goes, Um, you should get some socks. He's like, Why? <laughs> and it's like, it's like socks. You need socks, right? Yeah. So we're like, all three of us are like, kind of like yeah. talking. It's, it's fun. So we get, so I get to the register. I ring him up, and he gives me a credit card, and it gets declined. Really? And I'm like, it's Bill Murray. How's so I'm like, this dude's rich. Like what? Yeah. It's, and it's yeah. declined. I'm like, um, I'm sorry. Uh, sorry, Mr. Murray. <laughs> right. Sorry, Mr. Murray. Um, <laughs> this has been declined. And he goes, well, I guess I'm broke. <laughs> <So> <laughs> And yeah. so then he looks at the card. He's like, "Oh, I didn't activate it. Oh, silly me." Yeah, yeah. So he activates. This is like you know the hundred thousand dollar limit or some yeah, stupid crazy it was some stupid thing like that. Like he just got a new one. Right, or right, right. Exactly. Yeah. So he calls and he goes, "Can I use your phone?" I'm like, "Yeah." He goes, "Do I need to dial anything?" Yeah, you got to dial zero. Yeah. And like, so he makes the phone call, and he's like, "Yep, yeah, activate all set." And like, swipe done. And he's out. Yeah, all good. But yeah, but that was my Bill Murray's. <laughs> but it's funny. I was living in New York, and I got to meet some. Or run into some really cool, you know, celebrities like, you know, um, and it was New Year's Eve. I think it was 94 or something like that. I would go to the bank and I'm at the bank and I'm done and I go to walk out and I go to open the door and the door opens and it's Alec Baldwin and Kim Basinger. No. Oh my God. <laughs> Forget Alec. I mean, he's yeah. funny. He's cool. Forget but, about Alec. But Kim, yeah. like, she is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I'm like, excuse me. She's like, excuse me. And then she just goes in. And that was it. I was like, yeah, totally speechless. <laughs> yeah. Like, just, I was jaw, just jaw on the jaw, ground. Jaw on the ground. And just could, oh, yeah. It was just. And then it's like, then I'm walking back to my apartment. I was like, yeah. Yeah. I just saw Kim Basinger. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's I think it's David Cross that has a joke about New York City, how mm. you can walk around and you turn to your left and there's the most beautiful person you've ever seen. And it happens every 10 minutes. You see the most beautiful person you've ever seen in the world. And then you look to your right and then you've seen the craziest person you've ever seen in the world. And every 10 minutes you have to like choose between right. which one to right. look at. It's crazy like, or but beautiful. But he's so crazy. But oh, she's so beautiful. And then, right, right. And then it's over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's just one of those magical places that you can run into anyone how long did you stay in new york so i was there for two years two years so the first year that lasted a little longer than than san francisco most definitely okay um so i um was there from 93 to 95 something like that yeah 
And, and then you're uh, feeling that like weight come over you, yeah. like you know. So the first year I was up in the Upper West Side, mm-hmm. um, and the second year I was down in the village with a really good friend of mine, a drummer named Tomar Fujiwara, who okay. still lives in New York. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we went to high school together. Like wow. he's one of the, because I, you know, I moved when I was in Europe. I moved eleven times in nine years. Yeah, you're kind of like a like a military brat, but R- but musician but, but brat, mu- musician brat, right? Exactly. So you know, he was one of the. He's been he we're still great friends like we still keep in touch all the time mm-hmm. and we're both into basketball and like during Celtic season we always call each other and you know all that stuff. Yeah, so but um, So we roomed for a bit and again, I was struggling He was doing more music and I was kind of like doing job and I was getting jealous and I was like man. This sucks. Yeah um, I've had I've definitely had a few people that I've been like jealous of for right. doing the thing and they and and it's good It's it, it inspires you to do it the did. things that you want to do it know? did um, so, you know, we we're doing that and then I was like, all right, I can't do this anymore. And so moved back to Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, I had met a girl down in New York. She was about to go to Northeastern. Okay. Here and, we go. This is, this is all and, coming on f- oh, full man, circle it, now. Oh, it's beyond full circle. <laughs> it's really freaky full circle. Um, so I come up and after six months of dating, I come up and I move in with her at her dorm. Okay. Yep. Kerr Hall. And so. Which that, one's Kerr? Uh, I don't know. Stuff has moved around okay. since so long ago. Gotcha. Um, we were basically on the fens. Okay. Um, and so um, I lived with her uh, in her dorm for a couple years, and then she dropped out of Northeastern, and we, you know, got married. Um, and then in '07 we got divorced. How long were you guys together before you got married? About five years. Five years. Yeah. So a while. A while. Yeah, it was a good amount. And, yeah. You know, and then we were together for. Then we were married for seven. Mm-hmm. Um. So twelve years altogether. Yeah. And it's a long uh, time. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> it's a long time, and it was pretty amicable. You know. Um. That's such a weird word, by the it way. It is a weird word. Just, I, I was just thinking the same th- thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just such yeah. a weird word. It's like, how do you pronounce ambigable? It's, it's, it's one of those. It's one of those <laughs> words that we that we made up that sounds nice to right. to take over a bad situation. Right. Exactly. To to smooth over a bad right. situation. Exactly. I anyway. love it. That's awesome. Yeah. That's the definition from now on. That's what I'm going to yeah. use. Um. So I came up here in nine. I came back up here in '95, and I started. You know, I was working, actually, there's a coffee shop on uh, Gainesboro. It was called Espresso yeah. Royale. Now it's not. I think it's a something, a pavement or something like that. Something like that. Um, but I worked there for a while. Um, and I've done every job you can think of from, mm-hmm. you know, the Gap to, you know, I once, when I was living in New York, I did, quote unquote, the job. I had to move one package from one place to another. Okay. No questions asked. Here's five hundred dollars. Walk Whoa. away. Yeah. Like a secret courier. Like totally. Like I was broke. I was so broke. And I had a friend of mine uh, who was like, "You need money." I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "All right, I'm gonna call you in a couple of days." <laughs> There's nothing and more sketchy sounding I, oh, than no, that. <laughs> it was so. It was. But you know, it's like you know, it's like I've been around the block a few times. Yeah, I know, of course. I know what the you deal know what's going on. Yeah. So he's like, "Hey, I need you to pick up this package, and I need you to bring it here." Okay. Yeah, we'll pay five hundred bucks. Okay. Deal. Deal. Go. You had me at five hundred dollars. Right. Exactly. It was a deal. So I bring the package, and that was that. Yeah. I was like. Okay, I just did something really illegal. I don't care. I have five hundred dollars. Yeah, <laughs> I can pay rent. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, so anyway, so I got up here and I started kind of um, 
going to the jazz ensemble here at Northeastern, just walking by and just sitting in. Mm -hmm. um, and I became the non-student drummer, jazz ensemble drummer. Yeah. Um, the professor that was teaching at the time was Bill Lowe, and then it got switched to uh, Frank Wilkins. And we, you know. Is there any questions like, so what are you doing here? No. Or anything like that? Not one. Nothing like that. Not yeah, yeah. one. No grade, no nothing. Everybody knew that I didn't go to school here. Yeah. It was just it's Zeke's like, the drummer. Zeke's playing drums. Right. Playing cool. simple. It's awesome. So it was totally, you know, I mean, this is like 95. Again, can't do that stuff now. <laughs> no. No. Now it's like, where's your visitor pass? Right, right, right. right. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, are you supposed to be in this class? Right, right. Um, And so... I met this keyboard player named Ed Jones, and we started a group together called uh, Groove to This, and we started playing at Bob the Chef's. Well, mm -hmm. back then it was called Bob the Chef's, now it's Daryl's Kitchen Corner oh. Bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we were playing at Slade's, which is still there, and then I sat in uh, the saxophone player who was in a great uh, hip-hop band way back in the day called Down Low Connection. Okay. Um, uh, the saxophone player was Antonio Jackson, and he was playing every Friday night at Slade. So he's like, hey, man, come by and sit in. I was like, all mm. right. So I went by and sat in. The <clears> bass <throat> player came out as I was leaving, and he goes, hey, what are you doing next Friday? I go, nothing. He goes, do you want to yeah. do the gig? I yeah. was like, yeah, L sure. Little did you know, at that L point, you were already in. Yeah, yeah, I had no clue. Yeah, yeah, yeah I had no clue. It's funny and these mo the little moments I was talking like when I was talking to Dave Fox. Yeah, these little moments that you don't realize at the time that changed the course of your of right. your life. Anyway, so you're no. you're you're going on. Yeah, so, I've said that a lot. Anyway, so sorry for interrupting. No, don't don't be sorry. Please <laughs> don't be sorry. Interrupt, please. Yeah. I I have motor mouth, so I get it from my son, or he gets it from me. One of the other. one of the two. One right, of the two, exactly. Yeah. Um. <laughs> So he asked so you what you're do doing. So I started doing that gig, and I did it. We did Friday nights at Slade's mm -hmm. every week, man, for like two to three years. Mm -hmm. And people started knowing my name. Yeah. You know, you, when you have a residency like that, especially on a Friday night. Right. You know, and I met all the cats that were in town. Yeah. You know, and people would, you know, there's a gr very famous drummer by the name of Nikki Glaspie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She used to roll up. And I used to, I kind of helped her get on the scene a little bit um, by having her sit in at Slade's before she was Nikki, you know. I mean, yeah. You know, I. So good. Uh, she came to me once and she's like, man, I want all these rudiments. So when I was studying with Ron, he gave me the one, maybe like six pages of every single rudiment. And there's more than 40, by the way. Yeah. You know, everyone thinks it's 40. And it's like, there's so many more. There's a lot more. Right. And speaking speaking of Nikki. Yeah. Uh, she was in that drum off that I was in. Oh, she was? Yeah. Oh, okay. She kicked the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even close. <laughs> she's great. I love Nikki. She, yes. she's, she's awesome. Yeah. She's a great person. Great drummer. Um, but yeah, she would come in there when she was like totally underage. Yeah. and But we'd get her in and she'd sit in at Slade's. Um, What's her band now? The uh, Nth Power? Power? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which Nth is Power. great. It's, it's a great band. A great band. And, uh, I think it's a trio now. Mm -hmm. um, so, and the bass player uh, is uh, when he moved from New Hampshire to uh, Boston. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of jumping ahead here okay. real quick. Um, my bass player at the time was this guy named by the name of Ray Archie. Okay. And Ray was also the leader of that hip hop band, Download Connection. So I was doing that for a little bit as well. Mm -hmm. So 
when he moved to New York, I was like, man, you need to find me a replacement. He goes, oh, man, I got this boy. Yo, he is killing on bass. He'll come and sit down. We were playing at the, uh, what was that club? It was in Downtown Crossing, uh, Lupo's or Limbo's. 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 So right. say Lupo's is in Providence. Right, Limbo's. <clears throat> um, and uh, this bass player sits in. And I'm like, oh, my God, dude, you want the gig? You got it. He's like, awesome. By the way, the bass player's name is Nate Edgar. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I even I was, wrote a song for him. <laughs> I was like, I wonder who this is going to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, and now Nate's playing with Nikki, you know, yeah. and, you know in the nth power. Yeah. But yeah, so I've known Nate for like beyond years. Yeah, he's like, a beast. Gr- I remember, <laughs> I remember um, uh, when I was living with my ex-wife, we were in Cambridge and we said, you know, I had a, I was working for a phone company at the mm. time. Um, and, um, we decided that we wanted to like get rid of all of our furniture and get like all new furniture. Mm -hmm. So Ikea had just opened up in Connecticut. And so not the one, not the one in mass, but the one in Connecticut was two hour drive. Well, I had a Kia Sportage. Nate had a, had a minivan. Okay. So. I said, dude, can we swap? Yeah. Can I borrow your? You can have mine. So he went to his gigs in the in my in the Sportage uh, in the Kia Sportage, <laughs> and we drove down in his Honda minivan <laughs> and loaded awesome. all this IKEA stuff in the car. Yeah. And then I got back. He's like, man, your car sucks. I'm like, what? <laughs> it's like, why do you think I I switched with you? It's you like, know, by the way, so, you're not getting uh, it back. Uh, right. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, but yeah. So. Um, so I did that, you know, I did Slaves for many, many years, and I met all tons of musicians, you know, um, and then in about 2000, um, I kind of started doing my own band, Ray, you know, the mm-hmm. person I was telling you about, um, he's like, why don't you start your own band? Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's a great idea. Yeah. So I started my own band. Um, at the time, it was called, uh, crap, Zeke Martin Quartet. Okay. My first album came out in 2001, and it was Antonio Jackson, Kevin Harris, Ray Archie, and myself. Uh, we recorded at the Emerson uh, Studios. Yeah, um, those are great. Those are really good studios. Oh, great studios. They're awesome. Yeah, it was great. When I was in college, one of my buddy's roommates mm-hmm. worked at the radio station. Okay, and he got us time there. And, and oh man, they're great. Great, yeah, yeah. great school. Emerson's yeah. awesome. Oh, it's a great school. My uh, my mm-hmm. uncle. Uh, taught there for many 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 years yeah i know a lot of people that were in the uh the broadcasting That's, program there he taught uh journalism okay and stuff like that so um so yeah so i started my own band so that was my first album and then decided to do another one in 2004 mm-hmm. uh called funky stuff and then uh I think one in 2009 or 2010. Like, I I don't know. We just released our seventh album. How about that? Seventh album? Yes. So where can people find it? Um, They'll find all your your music, discography and stuff. Um... You know what? Uh, if you go onto Spotify, if you have Spotify, yeah, um, you can go on Spotify. Um, just put in Zeke Martin and the Oracle. So I changed the name as time went on. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, actually, I was at a gig uh, with a great guitar player named Scott Teruli, and who teaches at Berkeley is oh right really? Now. Yep. Oh, awesome. Um, I'm actually going to be working with him in August uh, at Berkeley for Guitar Week. Great. Um, and so. 
we were talking was like man and at the time we had like a nice core it was a great core um it was uh scott joe summerell and this great keyboard player well it would swap between yusaku yoshimura mm-hmm. uh, keyboard player oh yeah, yeah. um and uh the south other keyboard player from rhode island named rusty hughes okay um and so there was like a real core and i was like man we need a band name yeah and so we were talking at one of the gigs like what about the oracle and well it's your band so why not zeke martin and the oracle i was like great done, done. Done. You know, gavel comes down, it's, mic drop. It's so hard <laughs> to find ba- or to think of a good band name. That's, right, a good, exactly. that's a really good one. So, what do you think of the of the Boston scene these days? I'm, you were mentioning earlier that you know jazz musicians should be friendly. It should be mm-hmm. you know a, a communal thing. Yeah. Do you feel like that exists here or uh, my age group? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. In my age group, um, I think that um, you know a lot of the up and coming. Um, not all, and I'm not going to say all, yeah. but there's a lot, there's a good amount. And especially, you know, talking to other musicians in other states, you know, and stuff like that. But in Boston, in Boston, there's actually, a, you know, it's actually a pretty cool community. Yeah. Um, everyone's really cool. There's not too much BS that goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not too much, you know, backstabbing, um, at least none that I hear of. Right. Um, I hear of all these other stories, you know, in other you know, in other places around, you know, the world, honestly. Yeah. Um, where it's like, you know, people undercutting each other and stuff like that. I'm like, it, there's no point. Why? Yeah. Why? You yeah. know, because it just brings us down. Well, it, it brings, you, it, it brings everybody down. Right. It's Every not, musician. Yeah. It's not like, you know, it's not like, oh, well, that person's great. But, you know, no, yeah. it's just you're making, now you're making the whole thing bad. Right. Um, so, yeah, no, all the musicians that I, work with mm-hmm. hang out with um you know are all great yeah and they're all amazing musicians like yeah every single one of them is the only thing i see here as far as like with, with the young younger community mm-hmm. there is like a, a little bit of a competitive nature but i think that right. is, is a natural evolution of of getting into any industry mm-hmm. which is fine it's but, a different kind of competitive nature though right Right, exactly. It's very different. It's more... Well, it's people pushing each other to get better. Like, you want to be better, you want to get the gigs. You Definitely. Want, you want to get the endorsement, you want to get whatever. Um, but I find it's hard, or or the competitiveness that happens in, in the Boston scene is trying to get into venues. And right. trying to get a gig that's going to last or get you know, whatever, or, or find the next, the next thing that's going to help pay your rent or pay your bills or whatever. But, um, I don't know. What what do you think about that? Um, I think that, so when I, so, okay. So real quick. So in 2007, I got divorced Okay, and I moved back down to New York um, for a little bit. And then I came back, um, and I met my wife. Yeah. Um, and so, and the reason I came back was because I'd already made a name for myself right. up here. Right. And I was in the, living in New York in my apartment. I'm getting to a point, I swear, I promise. <laughs> Especially to the question that you right. asked. Um, <laughs> and I was reading a thing about Max Roach, and he said, you know, he at one point moved to UMass Amherst. Okay. Because that's where the gigs were. Doesn't yeah. matter where you are, just go where the gigs are. Right. So I was like, I'm down in my apartment in New York, not doing a thing, and then every weekend I go back up to Boston. This right. is stupid. Yeah. So I went back up to Boston because that's where the gigs are. Right. So I met my wife and we got together, and you know, I'd be like, oh man, you know, 
I, you know, I want to do big gigs and get paid well and stuff like that. And she's like, well, you have a choice. You can go and play at Daryl's or, you know, Slade's or whatever and get a hundred bucks, you know, and make a hundred bucks. Yeah. Or you can sit at home with your thumb up your butt. Yeah. Um, So I went and started. There's no sense in complaining about it. Exactly. And, you know, and I was like, and she's like, well, the music that you play, you're probably not going to be able to make all the money. Right. So you need to think outside the box. Right. Here comes the point. Right. Uh, Which is, yeah, it's great to do music, but to be a full-time musician, you really have to think outside the box. And so it's like trying to get into like clubs is great. And there actually are a lot of clubs and you, you can't just think just in the solely in like the, you know, Boston downtown area. You have to really think of, the New England area, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, and so she was like, "Well, you know, why don't you start teaching? You know, or you could." She, my wife is uh, also she's used to sing. Okay, um, she was in a GB band. This is your um, this is your current wife. My current wife, yeah. yeah. Um, she used to sing, and she was in the GB band. Um, so she's like, "You could do GB. You could teach. You could, you know, do some stuff online. You mm-hmm. could, you know, as well as with your gigs, right?" Um, so I think you kind of have to have. You know, like with you and this podcast, it's like, you know, looking, trying to get sponsors to sponsor the podcast or, yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah. that type of well, thing. Well, you have to diversify like, yourself. You yeah. Extremely. Yeah. Um, you know, and also it's like, you know, you know, trying to find, you know, it's like great to be with, you know, a band for sure. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, you want to be able to like try and it makes you a better, more rounded person more well-rounded musician right if you know a lot more styles right and so it's like cool this is my main band Mm -hmm. band a but i also play with band b band c band d band e band f you know right because you you have you have to right band a gets you know 40 gigs a year which is great yeah but band b gets you know, 60. Okay, that's yeah. 100. Cool. And then you and get then, 20 from uh, over here, here and then yeah. 10 from here. And right. it's like you add it up and like all of a sudden you're doing, you're you know, 100, 150, 200 gigs a year. And it's yeah. like, oh, I'm making a living now. Yeah. Yeah. And then so, you're teaching right. to, to supplement or, you know, whatever. It's, it's it's all, it all works out. Right. It's, it's all so, going towards one goal. I got a GB gig. Okay. And the name of the band was called Stardust. Yeah. And it was when I moved back, right? And so I'm playing and there was a sub guitar player. And I was like, Summer, because this is going back to your original question. <laughs> See, big circle. <laughs> and- I was wondering when we are gonna get to that. Oh, we're, we're, we're right there, baby, <laughs> we're right there. This is this is where like all, this is the climax. <laughs> this is it. Um, it only took an hour and a half. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so there's this guy, he's playing guitar, he's subbing for the band. His name is Gennaro Langreb. Okay. And so um, we're talking, you know how you meet new musicians, you always give your card and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, you teach? I go, yeah. Um, he's like, all right, um, I might be looking, I'm in charge of the um, lesson program at Northeastern University. I was like, really? And so it's like really big circle because yeah. I was here when my ex-wife was here. Right. You know, and then, you know, however many years later, 10 years later, whatever, you know, it's like, oh, you know. And here now, I am. And here I am again. Yep. So 
the day before so i didn't hear from him for like two months it was like the beginning of the summer and then like the day before or two days before class starts i get an email hey you still interested in teaching at northeastern yeah i'm like yes yeah he's like okay you start tomorrow what what and you got five students wait what what (laughs) and 12 years later here i am oh my god so that's you've been here for 12 years i've been here for 12 years wow Yeah, yeah man that's that's crazy. Yeah. So when I started, you know, teaching here, you know, I was doing a day job for a bit, but I was also gigging and yeah. And then at one point I was like, it, it, this is too much. So yeah. obviously the gig, the day gig went bye bye. Yeah. And I was just, you know, I started gigging and, you know, so where it was steady of just gigs and teaching, I'd mm-hmm. say maybe for the last ten years. Yeah, that's or great. So, you yeah, know, that's something awesome. like that. Wow, since 2001, you know, I've had endorsements with different companies and yeah. kind of jump ship here and there. And, yeah. you know, so now it's, you know, Zildjian and Vic Firth um, and Creation Drums. I'm and, talking to Sarah on, on Wednesday. Hi, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah's great. She's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, she's really, really great. Um, so, they're, they're, you know, it's, uh, it's really cool um, that Zildjian and Vic Firth merged. Um, yeah, so I was doing a little research on that. Oh, um, that was about three to four years ago. Okay, yeah, yep. because they're in the same building now. They are now. They are yeah. okay. They I did a tour. I did a tour a couple years ago, and they're in the same building. And I was like, "All right." So, I, and I didn't. I didn't look at any of the news or any All stuff right. like that. But how long have you been with those guys? So, uh, Vic Firth, I've been with for it'll be fifteen years. Wow. Okay. Next year. Next year will be 15 years. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Neil Larravee signed me on. And actually, big thank you to Dave Fox because he got me he got me on to uh, Vic Firth. That's awesome. He was with, he was, uh, he got on the educational side with Neil. Okay. And then Neil, and then he was like, call Neil. I was like, okay. So I called Neil and I said, hey, Neil, Dave referred me. He's like, all right, we'll sign you on. Yeah. Great. Awesome. That's great. And then, um... Uh, you know, things always change in companies. Uh, mm-hmm. They got this amazing guy named Joe Testa, okay. who was in charge uh, in charge of uh, A and R mm-hmm. on the artist side, and a really good friend of mine, very well known uh, jazz drummer by the name of uh, Ulysses Owens. Okay, um, was on Vic Firth. He's not anymore. He's with Regal Tip now, but at the time he was with uh, Vic Firth, and he's like Zeke, why aren't you on the artist side? I was like, I don't know, and he's like okay come talk to joe yeah and so he set me up with joe and so joe put me on the artist side yeah um and then hanging out and i'm not i'm not trying to be a jerk about name dropping or whatever That's it's just a, these are people that i know people that you know yeah um so <laughs> uh again uh like i said a drum god so we'll just call him dc and y'all can figure out who it is yeah um so anyway so he was in town and uh, he goes, hey, man, I'm over at uh, Berkeley. Why don't you come down? And so I came down, hanging out with him. And the person that was showing him around was the A&R of Zildjian mm-hmm. uh, at the time. And uh, and he goes, oh, man, Aaron, you got to talk to Zeke. And he's like, hey, do you want to come down for a tour? I was like, yeah, I would love to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so went down and kind of, you know, put my foot in the door. And I'm like, okay sign me on and he's like okay i'm like no give me the paperwork and he's like okay we're doing this now we're, we're doing this now and yeah. uh uh craigie zildjian was actually she was standing there and she was like hi i was like yeah hey i'm i 
think I'm gonna be joining. Yeah. So I kind of put him on the spot. Um, yeah. But it was cool though. Everything I feel like that's cool. how you have to do it sometimes. Yeah. But uh, but it was cool. And so you know, four years later, you know, I've been with Zildjian, and they're great. You know, that's great. Great symbols, and you know, Sarah's great, and Eric, uh, who's my A and R person mm-hmm. for you know. Uh, Zildjian and Vic Firth now. Yeah. Um, you know, he's been helping out and you know, anytime I need anything, you know, he's like, yep, no problem. You know, I just did a percussion weekend at uh, Berkeley. Okay. Um, and so I got, you know, I said, hey, I need a, a, a oh, what's that called? Like kind of like a drum clinic pack. They give you like okay. a drum clinic pack. Yeah. And it's like, you know. Like the swag. And, swag. And yeah, it's like, it's like, like sticks and yeah. this and that and the other. So, you know, my kids made out like bandits. You That's know, great. it's like, here, have this. And it's Take the coolest it. thing. It takes like, you know, I'm sure it doesn't cost them all that much. Nope. And, and it's like, yeah. here. Take it, and it really changes. It makes the kids' day. Oh, it's like, most look definitely. at this cool stuff yeah. I got. And it's like, oh, cool! I got a Zildjian hat and a Zildjian yeah. T-shirt and Vic first sticks and you yeah. know that type of stuff. So I will say, I actually I actually got to meet Vic first before he passed away, yeah, which too. was which was awesome. Yeah, um, but I have only played Vic first sticks since I was very small. Um, so this is the we you were talking about grip. Yes. Okay. So. Ready? This is, uh, you can't see this, viewers, but we're going to shake hands. Okay. So shake my hand. Okay. You see how your fingers wrap around my hand like that? Yes. That's exactly how you want to hold the drumstick. Yeah. And I'll show fo- you. And, and your fulcrum just naturally just goes there. Let me, if, grab me that, grab me uh, any stick. Doesn't you, matter. Oh, you mean the, 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 wait, wait, wait. The, the Vic, Vic signature. AS8D with the custom signature on the back of it of Zeke Martin. Yes, I can pass my that look, to my you. My look of jealousy again. <laughs> so I'm. You got it. That's it. This is how I hold it. That's it. And like. Yep. But like, I've been kind of playing around with either you know the the fulcrum is really here i've been playing it's, wait, a, it's where it's it's kind of on my middle finger oh interesting. A, a little bit well and then it it moves okay so it's there sometimes it's here it depends on what i'm playing wow, i've never i've never really no it's always on my first finger so as yeah. a jazz drummer you have it most of the time on the first knuckle right, right? so that's what i'm getting at okay so the first knuckle is where I have it. I've right. been. I've seen people, and I've been experimenting with the second knuckle. Okay. And and getting down because I feel like maybe I have a little more control on my back fingers. Yep. You do. So, so when I studied with Steve, you know, I thirty years. You know, Ron said, you know, I'm eighteen years old, and Ron's like, okay, first knuckle. You know, bam. You know, you have kind of like the French grip. Right. You exactly. Know, type of thing. And so when I went with Steve, he's like, okay, well, you have French, and then you have German, mm-hmm. and then you have American. And the American, American, which is in the middle. That's kind of how I like, play. Right, and that's how I play now. Well, actually, yeah. my left hand is German, and my right hand is American. Okay. Um, and so it's like, he totally changed my grip after 30 years. I'm like, are you serious? Like, now I got to start all over from scratch? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I'll go back and forth, and sometimes yeah. it feels good here, and then, I don't know, I've just been... Um, I've been going through these periods where I'm playing a lot in a short amount of time, and yeah. then I'll come home and I just won't play for a little while, and then and then. But I that's go back. good though. It's like I think it's good. I think it it's is. good for your your uh, your creativity. It's uh, but it's also you know it's like okay so you know I was telling you about you know taking lessons and stuff like right. that, and I still kind of take lessons now. Yeah. Um. So, um. I found this guy on uh, Instagram. His name is Justin Scott. 
Okay. Oh my God. Like just killing. Not a big fan. Is he the one? Um, bring bring him up on your on your Instagram for a second. Sure. Just because I feel like this is a dude that I follow as well. Okay. And his stuff sounds so clean. Mm-hmm. It it worries me. Yeah. <laughs> Not worries me, but I don't know if it's the compression he uses on on his videos or the audio or something like that, but it sounds it's I mean Okay, so yeah. I contacted him, right? And I said, hey, do you teach? He's like, yeah, that's yeah. pretty much all I do. Right. He's, I think he's in Atlanta okay. or something like that. And, you know, he's so it's part of the Bible Belt. Yeah. And so he plays at a mega church. Mm-hmm. And he's like, this is how you make money down here. Um, you don't really gig. Right. Um, and so you just kind of jump from church to church. And it's great because it's like I teach and then I do church twice a week, you know, rehearsal on Wednesday and church on sunday right that's it and i get paid like right. paid paid like they it's like a salary for type real of thing. Yeah. yeah yeah um and so i was like all right great so i took a lesson with him we did a skype lesson he's also endorsed by you know vic Firth and zildjian so we talked mm-hmm. about that for a little yeah. bit as well and man the concept the ideas that he did i was like oh again barely any playing just more talking right and so like you know, I tried to understand like what he was going through, mm-hmm. like where was the mindset, and I was like, "Oh, okay." And then he sent me a bunch of stuff. I was like, "I got it now." That's awesome. Yeah, and it's yeah. all about permutations. So that's okay. what I'm practicing this summer. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, I like this stick. Thanks, man. Yeah, it feels good. Thanks, man. I what did you? Uh, what made you pick this tip? <laughs> uh, my boy DC. Um, okay. So uh, way back. Are we talking in, about Dennis Chambers? Yes. We are. All right. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want the name drop. I, I I really don't. I'm not like you know. It's again. It's not like oh hey I know so and so and I. It's more of like these are my friends. It's like people that I know that I talk to on a regular basis. Yeah. A lot of the listeners aren't musicians. Right. So. I think it's good that they that they hear the names and yeah, yeah. people get people get the credit and the due that they deserve. Yeah. So I have no problem with that. Right. Um, yeah. So Dennis, when he first started, he was with Regal Tip, right? And he had a he's, stick. and he's with Evans. He's been with Evans forever, though. Pearl Drumheads, Pearl Evans, Pearl Drumheads. Evans, and Zildjian. Uh, yeah. Um, and so he was with Regal Tip, and the stick that he used. So when I moved to New York, someone gave me this. Uh, yeah, it was a CD. Uh, someone gave me um, P-Funk All-Stars live in L.A. Mm-hmm. And he does this monstrous, like, drum fill coming into one of the okay. tunes. And I'm like, oh, my God. Because you had asked, like, you know, what made you, like, kind of yeah. want to do this? I was like, yeah. that. Yeah. Like that. And then someone gave me uh, Schofield's Pickets live. Yeah, yeah that's a great um, one. In 80, from 86. Mm-hmm. And I spent a year listening to that. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, well, us growing up, when we had someone that we liked, mm-hmm. we tried to emulate them exactly right yeah. so it was like okay well what kind of drums do they use what kind of drum heads do they use what kind of sticks do they use what kind of cymbals do they use how do they hold their sticks how's their setup yeah you know it's like for at one point when i was like six 
team. You go through all these setups, you change your drums right. around. I, oh, the yeah. same exact thing. I had thing. the same setup as Omar Hakim for a while. Okay. And I yeah. would set up my snare because I was like, you know what? I'm doing, I'm going three up and one down. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. he had, you know, I think he had two down, but yeah. I was like three up and one down. All right. So how do I do that? And so yeah. I was watching that old VHS with that multicolored shirt that he had yeah, on. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, and just, you know, just set up my drums like him. And then mm. I saw Dennis and set up my drums like him. Mm. And you know what I mean? So I re researched and found out that he was using Regal Tip and had the round tip. Yep. Come to find out, that's the kind of tip that actually my father used when really? he was playing. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah, I feel like it was uh, like Peter Erskine. Uh, Erks, uh, Peter um, Erskine? Erskine, yeah. Um, he has like a round tip. He has right. two signature sticks. He has, yes. he has the the more of a teardrop and then the right. rounder one but um yeah i mean yeah so i started using this i really like tone of it mm -hmm. it's funny because at first vic first didn't have these they okay. didn't have the as8ds um and then i don't remember what i was using i was using something are these a little longer than a regular 5a or a, yeah or this is like 16 and some change or 16 on the dot or something like that I think. yeah it, feel, it has a nice um a nice length to it yeah which is which is cool and yeah and now like and again great, i've sticks. tried other sticks in the vic firth line yeah i always come back to this one mm -hmm. so i'm like okay well that's my stick yeah there you so, go um but yeah that's why i kind of like have the the, the rounded tip mm -hmm. honestly because you know dennis had it yeah i was like that's what i'm playing so that's what i'm gonna play what are you going for for your cymbal sound you, you go bright you go dark i kind of go dark go dark yeah. i kind of go dark um you know i uh the day I signed uh, with Zildjian, they put me into the the drummer's room, which okay. is where all the symbols are. Well, not the vault, but they bring they go to the vault and bring stuff out for yeah, you. Yeah, the one the room with all the the kits and has right, symbols on the walls right, and right, the mirrors yeah, yeah. and stuff. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, and picture, and you're like, oh yeah. my god, I'm it's sitting like, in a room that all these people yeah. around me have. It's like I don't want to play right now. <laughs> right, right. So, I, but I spent two hours in there looking for symbols. Yeah, um, the crashes were easy to find. Um, you know, and, you know, I got, you know, some hi-hats that, you know, was kind of darker sound. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was, couldn't find a ride to save my life. Really? And something caught my eye. Something was shining right in my eye. It was like the, the God, the drum gods were looking down and like, Zeke, take this symbol. Take this symbol. Right. Exactly. It was a, a 20 inch Constantinople. Yeah. So I was like, oh, well, I love this. Hello. And then I was listening to Brian Blade and he has such an amazing sound but yes. he had like kind of like a darker sound mm -hmm. and he's more on a bigger side for some reason i always like 20s i've yeah. never really gone any real bigger than that mm -hmm. as far as rides i think all my symbols on my current setup right now mm -hmm. 320s and a, and a 23 wow holy so crap you're going but but you're doing yeah. like rock stuff right yeah with mostly the with the bands mostly yeah. i go for a pretty dark sound but my ride is like it's not bright and pingy. It's it's like it's a it's a K sweet ride. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is great. It sounds sounds awesome. It's a super versatile symbol. Nice. You can crash on and stuff. But um, I have a little bit of a mishmash. Nice. Uh, but it's it's uh well not after you talk to Sarah. Yeah, maybe we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Um, yeah. So I uh, went in and I said I'm looking for the sound of you know Brian Blade sound and. Um, well, we just got these new, uh, uh, oh, what's the, what's the line? The uh, special dark. 
Oh, the K, uh, the, the K, special dark K's, yeah. yeah, special dark K's. And I was like, all right. And so I tried a couple. I'm like, and I'm trying this one. I'm like, this rice, oh, it's killing. Keep coming back and, to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know how that goes when you're trying all the stuff. Right. Out, yeah. So I'm like, I'll take this one. He's like, all right, cool, great. About a year later, I'm like, I'm trying to find this sound of like this, um, like this trashy kind of um, uh, combination. Okay. You know, stack like a stack, yeah, like yeah. a stack. And so they're like, all right, we'll come in and we'll hook you up with actually one of the makers. I was like, okay, great. By the way, if you ever talk to one of the makers and like you want a sound, yeah, and they'll find it for you in like five minutes. Really? Oh, it's amazing. Like I was like, I kind of want this sound. And he's like, this? No. This? No. This? Yeah, yeah that's it. He's like, yeah. all right. They can I dial right into oh, it. Oh, man. It like it took him literally like five minutes to get yeah. it. So he's like, so what else do you have? And so I go to my car, pull my symbols out, and I show him this one ride that I got mm. that, you know, I kept coming back to, you know, this beautiful, special, dark K ride. You yeah. know? He's like, oh. I made yeah, that. Yeah, we don't. Well, not just that. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah, we don't make those like that anymore. You got a prototype. Gotcha. And like, you know, jaw to the floor, like, give me that back. Yeah. <laughs> don't take that away from me. Yeah, That's yeah. mine. Yeah. So I don't let anyone use it. Uh, you know, no. It's, it's I have honest. a very similar story. Yeah. I, um, when they did the Berkeley days or the Zilchin days right. at Berkeley, right. I went in. It was oh. Daddy's Junkie Music at the yep, time. Yep. Went in there. Wow. The makers were there. And uh, talk, they, they talked a little bit about the stuff. And then you just free-for-all. You just right. go and try stuff out. Yeah. They had these three symbols. They're all 23s. Okay. This is kind of what got me hooked on the 23. Gotcha. Um, they were all like... Yeah, that's really different. Trashy, but great sounding ride. And it was kind of a combination between a Constantinople and and like a K, like wow. like a like a weird combination, mm -hmm. a weird hammer pattern in it. And I wish I had it with me, but um, I bought it, and right. it's, it's a prototype. And there's only three of them. Wow! And like a kid, one other kid bought one, and he he fucking sorry he uh he put don't, don't apologize he put he put rivets what in it he no. uh, yeah he had him drill it oh. and I was like I was like oh man and then one of the guys says yeah I can do the same thing to yours I was like oh, I, I don't, no, I don't think good. so right I, yeah it's like yeah you would have regretted that one yeah and same thing man I that will remain in my possession yeah. forever oh same it's yeah, like yeah. it's the coolest symbol I have yeah. I don't really I I had it out on the road with me for a little while and then I'm like man this is gonna crack or, or, or do something like yeah. something bad I, gonna I use it I use yeah. it all the time I use it in town all yeah. the time every, yeah, almost yeah. every gig yeah. I, I always have it with me yeah, yeah. but I don't fly with it you right. know stuff like that yeah I mean I'd probably fly with it if I you know you know if I was famous like you you know touring musician <laughs> um I'd probably make sure I had like a really nice hard case or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Nothing. They haven't broken anything yet, but the last time I flew, mm -hmm. TSA opened up the case, which is fine. They got to inspect whatever. Uh, and, and they do the swab, right? Do they swab it? Yeah, they used probably. to swab my symbols. My, yeah. They used to swab my symbols when I was touring to uh, the Midwest. Yeah. Well, you don't see them do it. Like, oh, no. I, I'd see them do it really? because I'd bring them online, onto the plane. Okay. I'd check I'm, them. Oh, see, I don't check them. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm yeah. like, these come with me. Well, yeah. You can't take that on. No, they're coming with me. Problem. My case Period. is too wide. 
because the carrot it's like a 24 oh right okay so anyway i i take them in and and i open them up at my gig and i realized that they had taken everything out and they repacked it you know ridiculous way weird way in yeah, a really yeah. weird way yeah, yeah. like the hi-hat was on the bottom and then right, the, right. and then so it's you like know, you're the, like man i can't believe they got rid of where's my so- oh there it is yeah there it is <laughs> so after that i was like all right not taking the prototype because yeah. you know anything can, anything can happen of course um and i'm sure even if it did crack it'd still sound great but right um yeah man those symbols mm. I, I was only searching for like a big kind of dark washy washy tone yeah, yeah and that's kind of what i always seek out these days nice but yeah i don't know that's it <laughs> so uh you had said uh promotional stuff so promotional yeah, stuff please uh, my website is zekemartin.com um on facebook uh slash uh zeke martin eight and zeke martin drummer uh, those are my two pages, and then Instagram is at ZZ Martin. Same for Twitter at ZZ Martin. Cool. Uh, YouTube is uh, YouTube.com/slash Zeke Martin Project. Um, yeah, and you know, I do. You know, I try to. You know, like we were talking about Justin, I try to like, you know, post stuff. You know. I do uh, a hump day groove, and okay. I, I like to do my Friday ditties where I kind of like inst- do like instructional stuff. It's like yeah. you know, and I'm you know I'm I've never considered myself like the high caliber drummer. I mean, some people think I am. I don't feel like I am. Yeah, you know, but you know I do. Okay, this is a six stroke roll. This is some of the ways that you can move it around the drum. Right here is uh, you know. Uh, double paradiddle some way that you know here's an inverted paradiddle you mm-hmm. know what i mean here's just me just messing around jamming yeah, yeah, just yeah. messing around yeah. you know what i mean um good friend of mine um uh again well-known drummer <laughs> <laughs> named brian fraser moore um he uh he's like we were talking about you know how to come off on social media okay you know of like you know not looking like a jerk yeah you know what i mean and so it's like that's one of the things that's always in my head of mm-hmm. just like not having that ego of just like you know oh look at me look at me look at me and so right, right, you know right. me doing those friday ditties is more of like hey you know here check this out maybe this might help somebody out yeah. there it's educational you know I mean? yeah yeah, yeah that's, that's the right approach you know it. right it's educational yeah. and it's you know it's like i've I've always been into like giving back. Yeah. I've always, that's why I love teaching at Northeastern, you know, mm-hmm. and teaching at Berkeley during the summers, you know, yeah. doing percussion weekend and helping out during, you know, guitar sessions and stuff like that. It's just, it's really cool to, you know, give back to students that are interested and willing and even like your peers. Like yeah. I, you know, I actually studied with Dave Fox for about a year. Yeah. Like taking lessons, like legit, legitimately taking oh, lessons with him. This is badass. I mean, yeah. after after our conversation, we went down. He showed me a bunch of stuff that I had to like work on for right, a week, right, and right. I was like, "This is this is great." Right. So I was actually I was there when he's. Well, it's funny. Dave Fox and I have a long history. One of the only people in Boston uh, that I've known for like over twenty years. Him and like Pat Loomis and like just a couple other people. Okay. I don't think I know Pat, but a saxophone player. Okay. Um. But Dave and I used to swap gigs. Mm-hmm. Uh, we both <laughs> we both used to have a red Yamaha stage custom. Okay, and so his band would open up for 
uh, mine, which was at the time uh, I was playing with Download Connection. Mm -hmm. So his rock band, I wish I could remember the name of it. He's going to kill me. Um, but his rock band would open up for us or sometimes we'd open up for him. Okay. And so we'd call each other and be like, hey, man, it's kind of like the, hey, what are you wearing type of thing? But it was more of like, hey. You bring I'll, in the kit? Right, right, yeah. You bring the kit. You know, it's like if I opened up for him, you know, I'd play on his kit. And if he opened up for me, he'd play on my kit. It's the same damn kit. It That's doesn't great. matter. So, yeah, so I've known Dave. So I was there when he was changing his grip because he was rock drummer. Yeah. You know, and total match grip. And yeah. when he was studying with Galati, Galati made him switch to traditional. traditional yeah. Um, but so he was teaching me as well as, you know, uh, you know, as well as, you know, changing his grip at the same mm -hmm. time. So, but yeah. yeah, I, you know, doing wig out with him and, you know, all that stuff and you know, just having a great time. He's, so. a, he's a great guy. Yeah, he he's is. a great guy. I've, I've only known him for, for a couple of years now, but, mm. um, you know, we'll play a lot of the same gigs. Phil and I fill in for the gravel project every yeah, now and same then. Same here. Yeah. So we're, we, <laughs> another one. Right, exactly. So it's like, it's just great. It's great. It's great to, you know, it's a great community. Drummers like, have like, it really good in, in this definitely. community because everyone is like cool. And, yeah. And you know, it's just who can do it. You know, right. it's, exactly. and it's great. So. Exactly. Yeah. The community, you know, to kind of jump back on what you were saying as far as like Boston, it's, the community here is actually really supportive of each other. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? And it's like, oh, hey, man, there's this club that opened up. You know, you should check it out. Or, hey, you know, why don't you check out this? Or, right. you know, that type of thing. Or this musician. Or, you know, it's like, you know, I'm doing, you know, if I have a gig like on Friday and it's like I, can only, I can't find a horn player and I call this one player, hey, can you do the gig? No, but do you need someone? And they'll like give me some numbers, you right. know, like that yeah. type of thing. And so yeah, it's man. really supportive here. We're stronger that's together. That's, Most definitely. That's, that's for sure. Most definitely. Zeke, thanks for doing it, man. Jesse, thank you so, man, I, I am it. so excited. This is so cool. Thank you. I really appreciate <laughs> Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Keep doing what you're doing, man. It's awesome. Thanks, dude. And that's it. That's my conversation with Zeke Martin. Remember to hit the subscribe button, rate, and review. Um, if you have any questions or want to uh, want to write into the show, please email afterthegigpod at gmail.com. And um, I think that's it. I'll see you next week. Peace! Peace!